It's seven minutes past 12. You're on Womandla with me, Pumi Mashiko. And today, we're doing Money Talk. It's a little bit early in the month, but we're doing it specifically because tomorrow, Mama Jill Marcus is making an announcement about the interest rates. So I thought, um, let's spend some time talking about what we're actually out there paying. You know, girls, it's summertime. Everybody needs new outfits, new shoes, new nails, new hair. But... What are we actually spending? What are we spending and how are we spending that money? Getting ready for today's show, Michelle and I were just talking and we've got Michelle here, our money honey. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle, Dave, our money guru is here today. And we've also got Natasha, who's a debt counselor. But first, before I even introduce Natasha, I want her to explain to us what it is that she actually really does. Because when I, I'm still trying to get my head around this, Natasha, how are you and welcome. Hi, hi everyone. Um, well, what we do is we help people manage their debt and people who are over indebted, we, sh- we work out a plan for them to see how they can get out of debt. Getting ready for today's show, I saw some really astounding numbers. 45% of South Africa's 18 million credit active adults are over-indebted or have impaired records. So maybe, Michelle, let's start here. What is that credit record? What is is that about and where does that live? If we have a look at it, it's actually quite nice because in layman's terms, how do the banks give us money as individuals? They have to borrow the money from the South African Reserve Bank. So, obviously... The Reserve Bank charges the banks for the money that they lend them. And that is your repo rate. Then what happens is that money is then lent to you and I. And that's what Jill's talking about yes. tomorrow. Okay. Yes. So it's what the banks are, are borrowing money at, not what I'm borrowing no. money at. But now remember, this is what we were also saying a little bit earlier on when I was speaking to some of the guys outside, is that very simply, some of us have got credit or had credit in the past. So... They have record or history of our credit, which makes it easier for them to lend us more money because they can say, listen, Pumi actually pays back the debt. However, now Michelle does not pay back her debt. So she is a higher risk factor. And that's when they look at the risk factor of the individuals and then they charge you an interest rate on the money that they lend you. So we're talking about money today on Womandla. It's, um, as they say, girl's best friend, hey? <laughs> or worst enemy. Costs something. Always costs something. So we're talking about what you're paying when you're using credit or store accounts, which is something that a lot of us use a lot of. And if the you, most expensive. And if you, dear listener, have got an experience or have got a question that you want to ask, you can call us straight into the studio. We're on, on radio. You can get us on 861 555 I finally learned the number off by heart. You can WeChat us, you can Twitter us, you can Facebook us on cliffcentral.com or you can get through to my Twitter handle, PumiMashiko1 on Twitter and PumiMashiko on Facebook. And Michelle, who now I am very proud to say, <laughs> now has a Twitter handle and it is at Mish, a true guide. <laughs> Mish with a capital M-I-C-H, A capital, T capital, R-U-E capital G-U-I-D-E, and she's on Facebook, Michelle True Guide. 
I'm so glad you're on Twitter now. People can Twitter you. Just Twitter her just to say congratulations and welcome to Twitter. <laughs> Guys, and any questions, I will get back to you. And of course, as always, at the end of the show, we're going to put it up on the podcast. We're going to put it up on our Facebook. We're going to put it up on Cliff Central. And if there's anything that you miss, you'll definitely catch it again um, on any one of those. Have you got have you got a Twitter handle you want to share with us, Natasha? Um, I am on Twitter, although... Um I'm not one of those regular tweeters, but um, you can get me at Josie217 on Twitter. So talk to me, Natasha, about what it is that, that debt counselors do, because we hear a lot of that ever since the crash, the economic crash. We hear a lot of that kind of debt counseling, over indebtedness. You can clean your credit record. What do you guys actually do? Okay, I think firstly there's... Debt counseling, just to clarify, debt counseling is not debt consolidation because there's a big difference between the two. Some people think that they're taking a loan and we're going to clear all your debt, which is not the case. What we're going to do is with, with debt counseling, um, a creditor actually sees it as, you know what, this debtor realizes that they're over-indebted. They come over and they say, look, I want to make a plan. I actively and proactively want to do something about the debt that I'm in. What we do as the debt counselor is we take you through a process. So we first establish, are you over-indebted or aren't you? So we look at your living expenses and we look at your luxuries. Okay. And what we do is we then, once we establish that you're over-indebted, we will then go to all your credit providers and we will say, look, this person has applied for debt counseling and this person, actually, we work out a payment plan. And in that payment plan, we will first take into account all your living expenses. What's nice about it is that it gives you some relief. We like to call it some credit relief. And what it does is is that while you're busy with this whole process, there's a 60-day sort of break where you can you can pay whatever other little things you had that's outstanding, and then you can you can go and um, you can pay your creditors off. So we get your debt reduced by 50%. Basically, your if you're paying 2,000 rand for your car. We can actually get your car reduced to a thousand rand because all they do is they actually put it over a longer term. But we do all of that negotiation on your behalf. And what happen is, happens is that you then have money for the simple things like your food, your rent, your, your school fees, all those kinds of things. So you're speaking about those living expenses and the, the stuff you can't live without. So basically, you don't have to take from your school fees to pay your Edgar's account, as an example. Speaking of Edgar's accounts, <laughs> speaking of Edgar's accounts, that's how girls get into trouble. It's those store store cards. It's not even just the, the credit cards. It's the store cards because they're so convenient, aren't they, Michelle? And it's so easy to get them. The problem is that they don't do due diligence when they actually give these out to people. And that is where the problem comes in. And as we, I was having this discussion the other day, if you think about it, salaries have stayed the same. People's living costs have gone up. What happens? People want to maintain their living costs. They become indebted to various institutions to be able to carry on with that standard of living. And, and it's a what, problem. What, is, what does that store card actually really cost you? If they say, because that's, you know, it's easy now with, with the Credit Act to see when there's a pamphlet or a flyer that says, if you buy this cash, it costs X amount. Yes. If you buy it over six months, it costs X amount. But that's when it's on a flyer. If you've got a store card and you walk into a store and the dress is a hundred rand, what does that actually mean if I put it on my store card and pay it off over 
six or 12 months? Well, it depends on the interest rate that that person is actually being charged at, and it can be up to 23%. Am I correct, Natasha? Yeah, that's correct. It's usually yeah. between 18 and 23%. 23%. Between 18 and 23%. Yeah. It's a huge amount. And I think this is also Where's my something. Where's calculator? <laughs> I also want to just ask Natasha this because it's something I read in the business report not so long ago about your credit amnesty. And I think that's also most probably where they would come in as a company and tell people that your credit amnesty doesn't mean that the money is taken away. You still have to pay back that money. It just means that when you go for a job interview, they're not going to have that you've been blacklisted or um, you're going to be sequestrated or you're going to be you know, handed over to lawyers. You are still due to pay that money. Am I correct, so Natasha? Speaking of paying that money, Natasha, no. just before you answer that, here's another question from Christina in Soweto who says, why is it that I pay my account every month? But the balance doesn't change. So just those those two <laughs> things. Do you want to tackle that question, Natasha? I think firstly, just on on Michelle's question, um, a lot of people think that with the new credit amnesty, correct? They think that you know I don't have to pay my debts anymore. What actually happens is it was only done because of the high unemployment rate. So your debt is still there, but as an employer, when you do a credit check on someone, because these days, even if you want to be a cleaner, they'll do a credit check. Sure. You know? So what they do is is that they now no longer can go, okay, you know what, Michelle's great on paper, she's got a great CV, she's got experience, but she's got five judgments. No, we can't employ her. So it is basically because employers won't be able to see your credit record, but you still have the debt. You have to pay the debt. And some debt, they, I mean, Michelle, there is some debt like um, that you're liable for for 30 years after you've actually… Like what? Like prescription. Really? Prescriptions. Yes. For, no, no, no. It's called prescription okay. debt. Okay? okay. So, for instance, if you went to the bank and you bought a house and you didn't pay the bond and you think after six months the bank… you oh, know, so that's a repo, like almost a repo. A repo. But yeah. you're still liable for their debt for 30 years. So, Good any grief. banking debt that you have, they can still contact you within a 30-year period. Um, but we'll talk about, about more about that later. Tell me about the interest rates. I think um, Christina raises a very interesting. So you're saying between 18 and 23 percent is what any kind of um, account can charge you in terms of interest. Correct. And that's you have to pay your first before you start paying, paying off the, the hundred rand amount, yes. that you paid for your dress. So you end up paying 123 rand. I actually worked on a very quick thing yesterday where I had. Um, I think it was I bought a new TV, so I put it over a six-month period, and it cost me 3,000 rand. But with the interest, I paid, I think it was 4,782 rand more. So the interest amount was 800 rand more than the actual cost over a six-month period. Crazy. Sure. It's a lot of money. Yeah, look, there are retailers who do offer six months interest-free. But it means you have to pay. You have to pay the balance. So, for instance, if you have an, let's use Edgar's again as an example. Six Not months because Edgar's is, is, is bad. anything no, 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 bad no, 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 anyway. It's, great, it's just that everybody knows. Yeah, okay. six months yeah. interest free is great because if you can pay back your payment a sixth of your whatever you paid, if your dress was a hundred rand, and you can pay back a sixth of that every month, it would be interest free. It's when you don't pay it within that six month period 
that the interest then becomes between 18 and 23% depending on your credit profile. And again, Would, I think that's awful because it really does depend on your credit profile. Talk to me about credit profiles. What, what, is, what sits on that credit profile? What is it? Basically, your credit profile is like your behavior. They look at your credit behavior. So they say, Pumi, let's look. How does Pumi pay her accounts? Every month, credit providers, they provide a report on how you paid the previous month. And what they do is they look at, did, did you skip a month there? Did you? So they basically look at trends and they look at your, for want of a better word, credit behavior. So if you didn't pay an account for six months, they'll look whether you've got gone to legal, how many judgments you have. And a lot of people, they look at, it plays a big part in when I'm a credit provider, I want to look at how does, I don't know Pumi from above soap, but how does Pumi actually behave financially? If your behavior on your credit profile is not good, like you skip payments regularly, you've been handed over to lawyers, you've got two judgments, you take out loans and you don't pay them, they're not going to give you credit mm -hmm. because it's, it's the basis on which they make a decision. So you get a credit score. Mm. If your score is too low, they won't give you credit. If your score is... Every credit provider has a different score they use. So if your score is sort of borderline, you'll be slapped with higher interest. Mm. So mm. it's basically a case of the lower your score, the more interest you'll pay, so you'll never really get out of that debt. And so, you know, we're, we're used to it. There's some debts that you can't sure. not have. You can't not have a bond. You can't not have a car. There's, there's just some debt that you actually cannot Do escape. without, yeah. Um, however, with, with the tough times and, you know, you were talking about in, unemployment, a lot of people have lost their employment and then they find themselves in debt and not being able to pay that debt. What should you be doing if you lose your job or if you don't have the money to pay it this month? What do you do? Go speak Look, to the people. Yeah. Actually, go speak to your banks, especially on your bonds. Sorry. Sorry, Natasha. It's just that. I know that people have actually had that problem. They go to the bank and they make an arrangement with the bank to pay lower bond repayments every month just until they are sorted out. And the banks are really very good at that. They would rather you pay them if it's not the amount as opposed to rep repossessing the house. Then that's their baby. They've got to then try and sell that place and actually get it off their books. So it does help. And what happens, I mean, we, we just saw a couple of, of weeks ago, we just saw African Bank yes. collapsing because of unsecured lending. What 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 does that actually mean? What does that mean, unsecured lending? I think what it means is, is when African Bank particularly plays in the micro lending space. So they would look at your affordability. But in most cases, if you're employed for more than six months and you have a salary slip and you have a bank account and your money goes into your bank account, they would borrow your money, irrespective of what your credit record said, unless you had a whole lot of other um, micro-lending loans. So there's a national loans register, and usually micro-lenders will check that register. At the same time, so it's reckless lending. That's basically what it boils down to is reckless lending. So, Pumi, I would sort of know that you 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 really you've got 50 other loans, but I'll still give you a loan because you employed for six months. And I look at your affordability in terms of what your expenses are and what your salary is, but I'm not taking into account what exposure you have on the credit bureau. Because the credit bureau also says, look, Pumi's got a bond, a car, an Edgar's account or whatever, and her exposure, meaning how much our monthly installments, is 3000 She earns 5000 There's 2000 left. Great, I'll give her a loan. What about your living expenses? That's how people get into debt. And now that 
uh, African bank is under curatorship, does that mean people still have to pay them back? Yes. The liquidators will still want their money. You never get away from that. So no matter what they do, they still have to pay the money back. Um, And even people that have saved in that bank, they have now been promised that they'll get their money back. However, it's because the government jumped in and helped. Mm. And what what are the what are the rights that I have as as a consumer when it comes to borrowing and also if I can no longer afford to pay back? Look, as a consumer, I think firstly you need to be honest and you you mustn't hide any accounts that are not on the credit bureau. For instance, are there accounts that are not on the credit bureau? They well, it's, I wouldn't call them accounts. I'd call them expenses. So, for instance, you don't list that I've got DSTV. Okay, that's not an account. It's not a credit line. So you don't write on your application that you actually have two decoders at home, PVRs. And you don't have, for instance, you've got a domestic. It's it's an expense, but it's not something you're going to put on your application. You have a gardener, you have a pool guy, all those kinds of things. So now when I look at on the credit bureau, you've got 3,000 rand. You take on 5,000 rand. I'm thinking, okay, she's got 2,000 left. We can still borrow money. But actually you don't because you haven't put DSTV, the pool guy, and the, and the domestic. And that's how we get ourselves into trouble. The second thing is, Stuart Michelle says, communication. When you can't afford to pay someone, phone your creditor before they phone you. It will go a long way to repairing your credit record. What if you just don't answer those calls? No, if you don't, then you <laughs> will appear on the credit bureau. Whereas if you do answer those calls, for instance, at the bank, you can go and you're in trouble. You lost your job. It happens. Things happen. But you probably have credit life on your bond. But people don't know that. So when you're entrenched, you can say, you can take, you can pay up, I think it's up to six months that you, you, they can withhold your payments without affecting your credit yeah, you profile. You can have a premium holiday almost. You can have a PR. The other thing is that most bonds are over 20 years. When you're in trouble, you can go to your bank and say, you know what? I extend can't it. afford to pay this extended. They can extend it to 30 years. Yeah, but that's a, okay. So that's a bank and that's a house or a car. That's a, it's a big ticket item. Mm. But what about the smaller things? What about the, um, the Edgar's card, the Fushini card, the, cause there are cards for everything now. You can get a, a store card for almost any shop. You know what? And those ones, I mean, they're not going to come back and say they want their underwear back, you know, at temptation. <laughs> Go and check your statement. You probably ticked credit life on the little tick box. Cause when you fill out your application, you're so eager to get that account. You probably would have ticked credit life. You've got credit protection on your account. If you don't speak to them. And again, you can say to them, I can only afford to pay you X. And I think that's where Natasha and them come in and assist people to actually help them with that whole process. Because you do, you, you feel like you're drowning. You don't know what you're going to do with yourself because all of a sudden you need to pay all these accounts. You don't have the money to pay it. What do you do? And what about how important are those terms and conditions? Natasha, you're talking about you're so excited to get that credit line. And this has happened to me before where you actually get a card sent to you in the mail from a store with a thing that says you just have to come into the store, activate yeah. this thing, you get three and a half thousand rands worth of vouchers, you get this, you get that, you get that. You haven't filled in a form, you haven't done nothing. And and it's 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 such a such an exciting thing because it's now, you know, it's spring, it arrives just in time for spring. It arrives just in time for all the new summer outfits, all of that, you know, and, and it's it's an easy, you just have to go there and swipe it and show them your ID. How important are those terms and conditions? And I mean, the terms and conditions papers are like 
tiny pages writing on pages. an A4 page. Who reads that? Well, no one reads it actually, but I think, you know, just by the fact that you got that in the mail, somewhere along the line you ticked off, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm open to third-party marketing. So you might have gone and got a credit card and it says, can we contact you? And you're so excited to get the card that you think, you know what, I'll just tick all the tick boxes. And somewhere there you've opted in to actually be contacted. And then with the terms and conditions, I think the onus is again on the consumer to say, what are these terms and conditions that I'm signing? You know, we just sign, 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 and I find that with a lot of our clients, and they don't read the terms and conditions. So I think, you know, you've also got to, you know, we'd like to say the creditors are so bad, but the onus is back on the consumer. The consumer should say, what am I signing for? What does this mean? Explain that to me. That's your right. Can you negotiate that interest? Can you negotiate that interest rate? You can. Basically, what we do is when a client comes to us, we do that. We go back and negotiate, but now you're trying to fix something. But up front, you can. You can say, you know what? I want to get credit from you, but you also want my business. Because without my business, you know, what does that do to your business as a whole? And negotiate. But we don't do that because we, it's this this master and slave mentality. You think to yourself, you know what? I'm so in wanted of credit at this store. But it's your right to negotiate. You know, we just have to stand up on our soapbox and negotiate for ourselves because you know what you can and can't afford. As much as that new handbag looks very exciting, you know you can't, if you can't afford to buy a 5,000 rand handbag, you know, wait and save till you can get one. And I think that the number of stories from, from friends who've gotten a store account, looked after it all their lives, paid off this, paid off that, and then there was a 30 rand left over that they they may not have seen and in her head she's finished paying off that thing five years later she's whacked with this 500 rand bill and she's just like what the because you tick the you know can i have the premium service the magazine so when you're done paying the account you don't go and say cancel my magazine subscription and retailers are, are known for this. You know, you, you tick, I want that lifestyle product or that monthly because I can get 10% off at the movies on a Tuesday. So go back and make sure that when you close, your, it's all about being aware. It's about education. Going back and saying, you know what, if I close my account now, do I have to cancel my subscription? And we don't do that. We just go, not, I closed the account and the lady at the tool didn't tell me anything, so I'm ignorant. But ignorant doesn't absolve you from paying your accounts. Sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your rights as an individual and what you can do when you find yourself in debt. We're talking about indebtedness, over-indebtedness, or what credit actually costs us. It's 29 minutes past 12, and you're on Womandla. Mr. Worldwide to infinity, <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We go boogie, oogie, oogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go drink drinks and take shots until we fall out like the roof on fire. Now, baby, get my booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell her, tell her, baby, 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 I'm on fire. I tell her, baby, 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 I'm a fireball. Running the game. Now, big bang, boogie, get that kitty little nookie in a nice, nice little shade. 
just say it. Walk this way. I was born in a plane. Mama said that every word was on my name. I'm the best you ever had. If you think I'm burning out, I never am. get a home loan for that a lease agreement no it is not a lease agreement so off air we're talking about questions coming in how does rent to buy work and does the bank give you a home loan for it i've actually never heard of rent to buy i don't know i'm assuming that rent to buy is going to work very similar to the new balloon financing that they have on cards which i have a real problem with why because if you've got a balloon payment on a car, you've got a monthly, in, say, installment of 3,000 rand and over the five-year period. But what they don't tell you is that your last installment can be anything up to 45,000 rand as a balloon payment, depending on the percentage that you've taken. So now you're paying that 3,000. You're thinking, oh, this is awesome. The last installment comes about and you go, what the happened? Yes. It is Frightening, and that's the fine print that we were talking about earlier on. Well, isn't isn't it that a law came in, so the National Credit Regulator saying 
you have to know upfront what the payments that are expected of you are. I mean, everything. Everything from you are expected to pay this amount of deposits, this is amount of monthly installment, this is what your balloon payment, this is what your end, which is what when I see when we're talking about the broadsheets with the furniture retailers and that kind of stuff, is they now show you if you buy it cash, if you buy it on the 12-month plan, on the five-year plan, whatever, this is what the end result will cost you. Uh, and they never used to do that. They never used to do that before. But if how how enforced is that if i'm a consumer natasha and i walk into a a retailer and they're selling this wonderful product and it's interest-free for six months which they'll obviously hop on about but not so much about what happens after that six months who can i report that to basically you can report it to the ncr because that's reckless lending gabby and it's all part of these these various ways they're going to ask you, did you ask about the extra payments? Now, just to go back to the to the balloon payments. You know, when you buy the car again, the consumer is so excited. Oh, I've got the car. They approved my loan. That They actually do tell you about the balloon payment, maybe at the end, but you're, you're not listening because you're, you're not picturing yourself in the new car. You're not hearing that. You've tuned out. The other thing is that it would be on your agreement, but again, it's in that fine print, in the terms and conditions. So... And just to add on to what Michelle said, when you come to the end and now you go like, oh, now you phone them and you go, but now I didn't know I owe you 48000 as opposed to 3000 They'll say, you know what, buy another car and we'll refinance. We'll add the 45000 into the new finance and we'll refinance it so that we delay your 45000 for another five years. That is so sneaky. And guess what? You know what? We all go, yes, I want that new car. I want to upgrade because they all say, you know, upgrade. You know those, those ads you get, upgrade your model, whatever model you've got. You upgrade it, and that's how you upgrade it because we'll take over the current payment, we'll add it in, and we'll add it at the end. And at the end of five years, you've got to pay the 45000 again. And that's how people get into debt because we don't – we are so excited about the prospect of credit. And, in fact, I find that you know, like the Americans, for instance, they will go and they'll fight and they'll haggle about the interest rate just in general. I mean, these are my comments. It's just in general. But I think we are we are reactive and not proactive when it comes to finance. I've seen that, especially with our clients. A lot of them go, but I didn't know this and I didn't go. And I go, you know what? Being ignorant, it doesn't matter. You've still got to pay the debt. So I think we've got to, like, as consumers, we've got to go and we've got to say, I want to know what I'm getting myself in for. We must stop signing agreements because we're so excited about getting the credit. Well, is it such a bad thing? Is it such a bad thing to to use that credit line when it is available to you? It's not a bad thing as long as you can pay it back. It needs to be affordable. And what are what are the things that I I need to look out for as a consumer that says to me, you, "This is going to be problematic. This is going to be trouble down the line." Because like the balloon payment, I mean, now I think we we've learned. But when the thing about balloon payments first came out. We didn't know about balloon payments. So what are the things that as a consumer you should be looking out for when the salesperson is talking to you, if you are reading those terms and conditions, triggers that say this could become problematic for you? I think what you need to do as a consumer is you need to look at what is my situation and what is my affordability. Um, For instance, balloon payments are not bad. If you don't have the cash flow right now for a balloon payment and you need to have a car because maybe you there is no other car, 
it's great as long as you can do something to save and you know that at the end of that I can pay the 45,000. Um, I think we need to look at little things like we need, like the clauses we would look at is what happens, for instance, when I don't pay my debt and it gets handed over to legal. It'll say there that the lawyer will then charge you another 20, 20 to 30 percent on top of that. So that's how maybe I think it was Christina from Soweto was saying, I pay and I pay and I never get done because now what's happened is you're paying the interest from the actual credit agreement, but you're also probably paying a lawyer their interest. So at the end of the day, your debt can almost, you'll have 50%, your debt might be 50% higher because you've been handed over. And the lawyer also has to recoup their fees. Those phone calls are not free. They can charge you up to 17 rand for a phone, for one phone call. They can charge you for SMSs. So every time you don't answer that call, they can still charge you for the call because they've done their side. So I think, for instance, those, look at the legal terms and conditions. And what if, so now I've finished paying off the debt. I've paid the 50% interest on the lawyer. I've paid the balloon. I've paid everything. You, you know, you put your head down and you're cleaning up your, you're cleaning up your shit, right? And now you've finished paying off. You've finished paying off everybody, but, but there's still judgments on that name of yours. Your credit record is still impaired. Impaired. How do you clean that up? Okay. Firstly, if you've paid it off, get a settlement letter to say that I have paid my debt. What the creditor should do within a space of 10 working days is actually remove, if it's not a judgment, if it's just a, you're a defaulter. Boomi doesn't like pain. They take that off the credit, but it'll probably only update the next month because it takes about 30 days. A judgment, you have to go to a lawyer, you have to go pay a lawyer because you need to go in front of a judge and get that rescinded. You have to go and so, but in, you know, a judgment only comes because you've avoided this creditor for so long. You've avoided the lawyers and they take judgment against you. So in that case, you then have to go and pay someone to have your judgment rescinded. But it's going to cost you more money. And what about people that are always threatening you? So you you may have a, a store account. You may have fallen on hard times and you haven't paid it off as regularly as you have. But then you get people phoning you threatening you that if you don't do this this will happen if you you know what what's the process look there there is a process it's usually after you've avoided someone for three to six months it would depend on each creditor's credit policy but it's usually in month six for instance if you had a credit card that the bank would now they would actually outsource it to or to the legal department and it would now become a legal issue they should legally issue you with what they call a section 129 letter. It's like a summons. It's a summons. They're saying, right now, you owe us the money. Please, you've got to pay us. Make arrangements. That's the lawyer's details. Make arrangements to pay or we'll take judgment against you. Now, most people ignore the summons because we want to put our head in the sand and we ignore the summons. And that's when you possibly get the threatening calls from the lawyers. But those, they're not supposed to threaten you. I mean, you can't go to jail for debt these days. You know, the old as you could. You can't now be locked up for debt. That's just not going to happen. Yes, they can. Really? No, you can't get locked up for debt. I mean, where are you going to go? The jails will be full. Do you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, yes, they can repossess your car, but there's a process. You had to have, you know, not for like a period, I think it's six months or something, they'll come back, but they have to go to a judge and get an order. So when they phone in, they say, if you don't pay for the car, I'm going to come and fetch it. You go, yes, but okay, that's fine. Where is your order from the judge? It must be signed by a judge that there's an order to fetch your car. Um, 
you know, those kinds of people that are, they get so scared by all the threatening calls, but those threatening calls are also as a result is because us as a consumer, we haven't actually communicated with the creditor. It's, it's extraordinary measures, they call it. So anchors just sent us a, a message on, uh, WeChat, Cliff Central, and she, Aika, Ankia, I hope you're a girl, says the only way a judgment can be rescinded when you don't have a defense, um, i.e. if you've paid, is if the plaintiff agrees or consents to it. What? So the bank has also yes, got to consent the bank to has to consent that you, that the judgment can be removed. Otherwise, the judgment will stay. And if, if you can't, it will stay for up to 10 years. Yes. Why would they say no? Because the judgment is really like the end of the line for the creditors where you've, you really, you haven't paid probably in a year or two. You haven't contacted them. You haven't come forward and said, you know what? I do owe you this money and I'm prepared to make an arrangement. Even if it's five rand a month, you've ignored them. You've left it. So it's like when you're now being punished because so you haven't. they're just being nasty. They are. They're going, you know what? But also they're a business. You know, you can't just imagine if you had five friends who borrowed money from you and they just didn't pay it back. They just never paid it back and it was money that you used to, that you needed. You know, it's the same sort of scenario. The creditors in a business, you know, their business <laughs> will go under if everybody decides I'm not going to pay. So because rather, they've also got people to pay. Pay, yeah. Mm. So pay your five rand a month, man. No one can, you know what the best thing is, I always say to clients, it doesn't matter if you can only afford to pay 10 rand a month. As long as you make that 10 rent payment, no judge is going to go. If they want to take judgment, the judge will say, but this person has showed good faith. Even if it's 10 rent a month, they've showed good faith. And I'm sure you can borrow 10 rent from anyone to pay your debt. Is that a good idea, borrowing more money to pay off? No, ask for a donation. People. No, please don't <laughs> pay. Don't borrow from Peter to pay Paul. That's exactly what we teach. Don't do that. Live within your means, and we will make an arrangement. Look, we can't go to the bank and say, you know what, this person can only pay 10 rand on a 10,000 rand bond. That's not going to be acceptable. But we can reduce your debt path to half your current installment so that you can take care of your living expenses first. And what, I mean, nobody starts out a relationship like that with, with an account or anything with the view that they're going to default, right? And when, yeah. you, when you've got a bond, there's a house that the bank can attach or take back when you've got a car, similarly. But what about the other guys? So like, like Edgar's, can they, if you haven't paid them, can they come and take your car? No. And again, this is like township no, experience. Listen, you know, remember. Where people in, no, this is, <laughs> this is a township experience and maybe it's changed. So, you know, where, where people would get a, an, a loan for education and put it against their, uh, house or whatever and then they don't pay it off and then the house gets as we used to say when the house gets eaten gets eaten by the bank for me i don't know if it's actually valid anymore but i know that the sheriff of the court can be sent to somebody to repossess furniture and appliances in lieu of money owed and maybe that's what people are referring to currently um it has happened i don't know how valid it is anymore but i think it is still done but I think it also depends on the amounts that are owed to these people. Mm. Look, Natasha, maybe you can yeah, help. Yeah, I think with the new credit act that came into effect in 2008, and if you give in 2008, there were, you know, prior to 1 May in 2008, people probably offered you, the banks were offering you credit cards and everything because there were no, because there was going to be a new acting place. And people do it. I'm not going to profess that I know if it's legal or not. I just know that you can't, 
Um, for instance, if you've signed surety, if you've gone and you've taken a loan, you've signed surety for your house, yes, then they're within their rights because you've ceded your your house. So you've agreed to it up front. But as far as I know, I mean, Edgar's and that, they can't come take back the clothes that you took. But I know that it's, it's, it's sort of a gray area because they, I know that there are people who actively go, and it depends if it's debt that's more than 8,000 rand or 10,000 rand. Maybe they'll come to your house and they'll – Want to take whatever appliances you have. But I think there's a gray area in the law there. So I'm not sure about, I'm really, I'm not sure about that, but it does get done. So I'm a young person, haven't ever had any kind of credit, any kind of loan or any of those things. I've just started working. What are the things that I should be aware of in terms of starting out a credit record? Because at that point, when you've just come out of college, you're starting. Everything else used to belong to your parents or was bought by your parents. What are the things that you should like ring the bells in your head? If, if you're listening, you know, one of our listeners just coming out of college, getting their first job, what are the things that they should be looking out for? I think they would possibly, hopefully they would have had a bank account, even if it was a student account or savings account, and they conducted that account in a decent manner, like no minuses on your account or no uh, debit orders returned. But I think it's very difficult for someone who's – it's it's a difficult space. I know the banks these days have people that, you know, they open up student accounts because they cater for that. But it's very difficult. The funny thing is we always laugh about it is that if you want to get – for instance, if you want to buy a car, they won't look at you if you don't have any credit history. So your parents probably would have to sign surety or you take it out in your mom's name. We've all been there. But the funny thing is they then advise you, what's advisable is to open up a retail account, like an Edgar's account, so that you get a credit history and so the wheel turns. It's a credit, so that in six months time you can go and say, look, I've got one account, I've got some history, and now I can buy a big ticket item. But really there's, there's not much you can do when you don't have a credit history because, but what they would look at is your bank statements. If you don't have a bank account, then I'm not sure. Credit card versus store account. Michelle's smiling at me with that s- s- sly smile. With, so credit card, because you can do the same thing. I, I assume with the credit card, you can do the same thing that a store card does. It's, Correct. You know, which is better? I don't think it's what's better. It's what better for that specific person. Because, again, your interest is determined on your credit history. So what are you being paid? What are you paying off on your Edgar's account as opposed to paying off six months off your credit card? Your credit card could give you a higher budget amount and your store account may not be able to give you that higher budget amount. So it's really dependent on the individual. Natasha, I'm sure you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place. Mm. With with credit card, I I say if you've – I'd rather have a credit card instead of a whole lot of store cards purely if I know that I can pay it in 55 days interest-free because then it's great. You can actually use the bank's money and not your own um, as an advance. But it is, it is an advance because if I go and get a credit card and I get 10,000 rand tomorrow because my credit card is active, I can go and I can buy stuff, but I know in 55 days time, I can pay back the full balance. Then it's a great tool. It's a great way to use your credit card. But unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. So credit card, I mean, the interest on credit cards are so high. So it's a bit of a rock and a, like I say, if you take a store card and you can pay it back within six months, great. It's really where whatever space you're in. 
is that interest rate regulated? So tomorrow morning, this is always very exciting. On Thursday, the announcement comes out um, that the base interest rate is going up or down or staying the same. And then on Friday, you get an SMS from your bank saying their interest rate is going up. It's gone up half half basis points or whatever. Or whatever. Is it regulated This how much an account can charge interest or can they just decide? Can I just um, store X and I've got a card for my customers and I'll be charging 50% interest rate, interest? No, interest rates are regulated. For instance, um, if you look at, if we go back to the African bank scenario, micro lending, it is regulated. So you have to have a license. You have to be a member of the NCR. You have to have an NCR number. If you go to any store, just look. They should have somewhere a little sign that's orange and gray that says NCR number XYZ. Um, so it definitely is regulated. Whether it is monitored, obviously in the bigger, biggest retailers and stuff, those, you know, they have to prescribe to those rules. Um, also the other thing is it's, it's, they are, they're sort of boundaries. So again, it would be linked to your credit profile. But they definitely it's regulated. That's why we have the National Credit Regulator. <laughs> That's why we can go back. And if you've got money recklessly, we can go back and we can say you haven't stuck within those rules. What does that mean, got money regu- recklessly? For instance, if you came, you went to a store and you filled out your application form and they did a credit report and they saw, you know what, Pumi's got 12 accounts and she she's already, you know, she's only got 200 rand left at the end of the month. But let's give her a credit facility where the installment is 200 rand a month and everything's square. Forgetting that to taking stuff into calculation like your living expenses. Um, so that's reckless lending where someone's giving you money when they know that you can't afford it. And then just final um, thoughts, just in terms of credit consolidating. Right, consolidating your debt. What is you said you were going to talk to us a little bit later about that. So talk to me about what that means. Okay, so the word consolidation. Um, debt councils like to use consolidate all your credit into one installment because what happens is that you don't take a loan, but we go and we negotiate what your payments are going to be. So say you earn ten thousand rand, your living expenses is five thousand rand, you have five thousand rand left to pay for your debts, but your initial you know, on your normal installments, you actually have to pay 15000 So we go and we negotiate with your creditors. And what happens is at the end of the month, if you're on debt review, there are what they call payment distribution agencies. They're four in the country. They are appointed by the National Credit Regulator. They will run a debit order off your account for 5000 rand, and they will pay each of your creditors according to a payment plan. That's what debt review is. Then Debt consolidation is also debt consolidation, but where you go and you take out all your debt is worth 300,000 rand, you go and you take out a 400,000 rand loan and the debt consolidation company settles all your debt with your comp- with all your creditors and you pay them a loan repayment amount. It's a, usually it's a second bond on your property or it's, it's, Something like, you know, there's an asset that secures that debt. And what happens so you is you seed go, it. Yeah, you yeah. seed it. You seed your property and you go and you say, you know what, my house is worth 8 million rand, but I've, uh, my bond is only 4 million. Let's take the balance of the 4 million or whatever. And we get it and you pay back that loan, but that is a loan. And how do I, so I've been listening to Womandla today and I think, whoo, 
I may be in trouble. I need, I need a debt counselor. So how, where, where do I go to find a reputable one? Because I, I'm sure there's some sharks out there. Yeah, no, definitely. You'd go to the National Credit Regulator's website. It's the www.ncr.org.za. And you can actually get a list of all the credit, all the registered debt counselors. Because a debt counselor also has to have a debt counselor's number, like an NCR DC number. Or there is, there are associations. If you just Google debt counseling South Africa, you'll come up with some of the associations. And the first thing to look at is if a debt counselor does not have an NCR number, then there's already a warning bell. But I would say go to the NCR site <laughs> and you can look at which debt counselor is in your area. And Natasha, you're in private practice, so I'm listening and I really like the sound of Natasha. How do I get hold of you? Because you, you don't have a Twitter handle. You can go to www.creditrelief.co.za. Um, we are a, I just want to correct you. Um, we manage a group of debt counselors. I have a company called uh, Credit Relief Services. We have debt counselors who are on our books who are registered and through them we manage your debt. So you can be anywhere in the country. We can help you because we have a call center as well as a website. Fantastic. Michelle, before we say goodbye, last, Last, uh, last words. Last words of wisdom. Guys, budget. If you want me to Joe send Barris you a budget. Joe just sent a message. Joe Barris just sent a message saying budget. Please, mm. guys, if you want to send me your email address, I will send you a budget to work from. It's an Excel spreadsheet. It calculates everything for you. Work off a budget and read all the terms and conditions. Please, education. And Michelle is now on Twitter. It's at Mish, M-I-C-H, capital A, capital T, R-U-E, capital G, U-I-D, Mish, a true guide. And she's also on Facebook on Michelle, a true guide. And that's it from us. It's four minutes past. I'm going to look around and see if I see doctors. I see doctors in the room. Definitely the doctors are in the room coming up next. Thank you for being with us. I'm Pumi Mashiko and you are on Womanla. Thank you, everybody.